0: Hello and welcome to the Novel Traveller podcast. My name is Michelle Walsh Jackson and I'm the Novel Traveller. again to pat coldrick for that beautiful sunny warm introduction his guitar just whisks me away on this cold january day i hope you've been enjoying the snow we've seen this week and since the last podcast we have had a couple of lovely mornings to get out and enjoy the sunshine so this week i have a truly remarkable guest and there dare i say it he has many tricks up his sleeve keith barry is a world-renowned mentalist magician and subconscious mind specialist his entertaining keynotes and live performances inspire audiences to break through performance barriers and he has been known to reprogram their subconscious minds to accomplish their biggest goals he's a terrifically inspiring character really decent good guy and he speaks with me openly today about his family and about his work and he also has a great gift at the end, so I really look forward to speaking to Keith today. well, hi Keith, uh, it's great to see you this morning, and thanks so much for joining me. Uh, yeah, it's good to see
1: you. I, thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> are you missing travel?
1: Oh, absolutely, yes. I think I think a lot of the world is missing travel, but for me, particularly, like I would on a busy year, I would travel every week on a. A normal year, I would travel at least once every two weeks, maybe three weeks. So for me to not be traveling, yeah, it's, it's a huge part of my life. And I do love traveling. So I'm missing it greatly. You know?
0: yeah, yeah, it's a bit, a bit of a shock to the system for a lot of us. When was your first holiday? Where did you go on your first flight? You know, your first major holiday trip.
1: Yeah, I remember it. for me, you know, I'm from Williamstown in Waterford and we had probably just what you call a, a, a normal upbringing, even though I had a, a, what I would consider extraordinary parents. So what I mean by normal upbringing is like, yeah, you know, we used to just travel around in the caravan like everybody else uh, <laughs> during the summer and stuff like that. But the first major, I suppose, holiday for me, certainly abroad, was when I was either 13, probably 13, I'd say, uh, 13 or 14, but I'm going to guess it was 13. And my parents actually brought us to Ibiza. And it was just an amazing thing for, you know, a 13 year old then certainly to be flying abroad because the majority of my friends certainly wouldn't have flown abroad at that stage. And yeah, I remember it well and, and years, it was only years and years later when all of those ibita uncovered and all those crazy programs came out that you realize that there's a whole other side to ibita <laughs> but we were actually on the quiet side yeah and uh, and it was an amazing experience and and i haven't been back since uh, and i keep thinking i should actually go there with my my own family now and show them the nice side of ibita you know
0: Absolutely. And a lot of people think that that's what a beat is about. You know, it's about all the, the passion club and all the famous raves. But mm. um, there is actually a family side to it. And the Erics are fabulous. They're very popular with the Irish. Um, how would you relate, you know, your first experience of flying then? You know, were you kind of bamboozled or amazed or how did you how did you feel yeah, about I, flying?
1: I, I'm just really excited. I remember like just being fascinated at what the experience was going to be like and it was amazing like me i have one sister so it's me my sister my parents and uh, the excitement was pretty overwhelming really and then when we flew there like i'm very adventurous even now so like the first thing that i wanted to do was taste calamari uh, so that was the first experience of calamari that i ever had was uh was there in ibita and uh, you know even to this day my wife will tell you that when we're abroad Uh, Probably the first thing that I'll go for is calamari. And that probably comes from the first (laughs) holiday I ever had and just being adventurous with food. And then, you know, when I was over there, I remember in particular, the snorkeling was great. But also that kind of got me into my love of fishing as well. Like I'm a a, I'm a crazy fisherman. A lot of people don't know that about me. So, um, you know, lockdown for me um, right now, the major thing that I want to do for my mindset, more than anything, is actually just go fishing which is a safe activity as we all know because you're going to be on your own uh, and i would drive to a remote spot but unfortunately right now fishing is just too far from where i live so uh but i got that love of fishing from ibita because i remember just buying this whatever it was a 10 pound rod at the time which had uh, the hooks and everything on it and then just bringing a loaf of bread down to the sea and tossing a hook out and catching lots of different types of fish and small fish big fish um so that all happened in ibita you know
0: Wow, it's got lots, of, lots of, to be grateful for going to Ibiza. Yeah. yeah. Now, what, what's the funniest thing that's ever happened to you on holiday?
1: Well, I don't know if this is funny or not. Well, there's a couple of things that happen, but I mean, I've had so many different wild experiences over the years. Uh, so here's one. So I, I remember I was down in Cancun in Mexico um, years and years and years ago. Um, when I was down there, I missed my flight on the way home. I was young at the time. I was probably, I don't know, I'm going to guess it was 23 or something. And I missed my flight. So I decided I wasn't bothered that I'd missed my flight. So I, I said, well, I'll stay an extra three days. And I decided to go snorkeling. So, uh sorry, scuba diving. And I found this scuba diving course, but it was one of these kind of dodgy courses where basically you learn within like three hours how to scuba dive on your own, which is like anywhere else in the world would be completely illegal. But of course, this is Cancun uh you know 20 years ago or a lot more than 20 years ago now so ultimately I uh, took the course went out into sea and went down for a dive and when we were down under the sea it was really choppy on the way out and when we were underneath i could see that however many of us were under the sea well let's just say there was a there was certainly a group so we'll just say it was 15 people and when i was looking at the people in front of me we we're all swaying under the ocean from side to side because it was such a uh a current and whatnot. And there was no fish. I remember that specifically, there's nothing to see because it was so rough. Even the fish were hiding down their holes. But then I started to feel sick. So I started to feel sick and I I was like, okay, I'm under the water here and like the instructor is way up there and I don't know what to do. And I'm like, oh my God, am I gonna drown here? What's gonna happen? So eventually looked back and I remember the the action for feeling sick. So I kind of wobbled my hand at him and he just pointed way back at the rope where it was where we'd come down from back to the boat. So I knew he meant to go back on your own. So I went back on my own. I remember reading about the bends, um, oh you know, and don't get bends. So I was kind of holding my breath on the way up, and I didn't really know what I was doing. Anyway, I get up to the top and I pull out the thing out of my mouth and I start just puking blood everywhere. Oh no. So oh my God, that's I'm terrifying. I'm in Cancun in Mexico, and I'm bobbing around in the sea and the puking blood. And then I'm thinking, is there sharks around that I'm freaking out in my head? And then I get on the boat and then I just start roaring, laughing to myself on the boat because I realized I'd gone out the night before I was young and I'd had a Bloody Mary before I oh, went to scuba no. Diving. Oh, no. Thank so God, It was that's the bloody, <laughs> the bloody Mary and not blood that was coming out of me. So I was fine. And that, not to be recommended, obviously, drinking alcohol before you go scuba diving is not the smartest thing in the world. Uh,
0: but, so, uh, but these are the things we do when we're young and reckless and we travel. Guys. And it's all it's all part of the experience of travel, I think, when you're young doing wild things, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Um, so that was one funny story that I just remembered when you yeah, <laughs>
0: And what about the margaritas? Did you like those in um, in Mexico? Or yeah, absolutely.
1: I mean, look, the last time I had uh, had more than one margarita was actually after my uh, Discovery Channel show in Los Angeles, believe it or not. So there's, a, there's some amazing Mexican restaurants in Los Angeles. And I remember specifically I brought the whole crew out, a uh, crew that I'm still friends with now, Mikey Poland, Sean McGuire from... Um, uh, Sean McGuire, who's a great friend of mine, he came out that day as well. He's an actor. Um, Originally, he was on EastEnders and things like that. But now he's on Once Upon a Time. Uh, But ultimately, Sean came out and and all my different crew from the Discovery Channel. And we all drank loads of margaritas anyway at the end of the story. Uh, But amazing margaritas. I don't really remember margaritas from Cancun itself. Uh, I've drank more margaritas, certainly in L.A., than (laughs) I drank down in Mexico. Uh, but I am partial to a margarita or a mojito as well. I do like a, an odd mojito, you know.
0: And of course, you spent a good bit of time in Las Vegas as well when you did a season there, didn't you?
1: Um... Yeah, so I suppose it's every magician's dream to headline in Las Vegas. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I put it on the bucket list and I, I'm i grateful enough that I ticked it off the bucket list. So I headlined in Las Vegas for about three months in Planet Hollywood. And that was a surreal experience, even looking back now. I mean, weirdly enough... I've got some photographs but I don't have a whole lot of photographs because social media wasn't really a big thing back then um so so my only disappointment in my head is that we didn't take enough photographs you know uh, there are photographs of me on stage and there's photographs of you know my name and lights outside planet Hollywood but it, it was an amazing experience and and all of my friends came out over the period of time uh, to see me there so when I look back I and mean, you know my parents and my sister came out so we had a great time there but weirdly enough you know, my daughter had just been born. So um, when she was six weeks old, I just turned to my wife and I said, um, I'm going to Vegas. I'll see you in three months. So oh God, I left. Uh, but then a week later, I realized, you know, I needed my family around me. So a week later, I flew uh, my wife, our daughter, Brianna, who was only six weeks old, pretty much. Uh, and my mum out. So they flew out and they stayed with us for the rest of the time there, which kept me sane in Vegas, you know. Oh,
0: absolutely. It's a strange kind of place, isn't it? I mean, it must be very different to live there. I mean, I've, I've visited, mm-hmm. of course, and I've actually even written a book. Uh, one of my novels is set there. But, uh, you know, it, it has a strange kind of eerie, like the playground of the planet, I feel. It's like Disneyland for adults, isn't it?
1: Oh, completely is yeah. yeah and it's a love-hate thing you know i i know some people have gone there and just hated it they just couldn't get it they didn't get the vibe But i mean i blame them they should have done their research yeah. but Vegas, Vegas is what it is it isn't an adult playground when i was working there for the three months like i made a conscious decision to not gamble for example to uh only drink at the weekends because i was doing gigs two gigs a day every day uh, and stuff like that but when i go there now for holidays it's a three day blowout. That's what it is. And it's, and it's party central. And I still go there. Me and my wife, we go there uh, probably once every two years. Uh, we will pop into Vegas and sometimes I'll, I'll already be in L.A. or something like that. So We'll drive up from L.A. Um, but I love Vegas. I love the shows. Like I went to see an amazing show about three years ago now. It's still there. I uh, call Absinthe um but it's completely non-pc like you would not want to be easily offended uh but amazing acrobatics and stuff like that as well in conjunction with comedy and dark comedy and stuff like that but it's amazing um but yeah i love vegas i wouldn't want to i don't think i'd want to i've thought about this a lot over the years like because there are options for me to go back there um and i could go there for a year or two at a time but i think certainly while the kids are growing up it's not really a place that i want to be bringing up kids it is one of the Kind of crime capitals of the US as well. There's a lot of crime in Vegas so it's not really a place you want to be living long term I don't think.
0: I think one of the highlights for me when I went there was its proximity to the Grand Canyon because it's very yeah. easy to kind of get there. We, we, we took a flight and went to uh, the South Rim and Angel, uh, Bright Angel kind of a little town on, on the rim. Yeah. And it's spectacular. I think everybody if they do go there should take time out to see the surrounding, the desert scape. It's really quite spectacular.
1: I did the Grand Canyon tour one time with uh, uh, my wife and my dad and uh, my mom wouldn't come she was too scared of the helicopter so we we went on the helicopter ride and I'd done all the research all the rest we flew in and we landed in the Grand Canyon we had our lunch there and all that kind of stuff and it was amazing just to be sitting in the middle of the Grand Canyon like you know but uh, I remember specifically on the way back the helicopter pilot he was very safe on the way out and he was very prim and proper but on the way back he reversed his baseball cap, but he put on welcome to the danger zone. Oh, no. And he started doing all these crazy kind of acrobatic maneuvers in the helicopter. And wow. the flight, like, which was kind of fun at the time. But then when I went back, if you research actually the amount of helicopter crashes that happened by guys doing that, it's quite a lot. So, yeah. Uh, so do your due diligence before you <laughs> go to computer, find the right Absolutely. pilot
0: absolutely and and, that leads me to my next question which is your worst travel experience but your worst travel experience sounds like your funny one sounds a little bit like your worst one as well so do you have a a kind of a maybe I should ask you what is a really good travel experience what would be kind of one of your highlights
1: one of my highlights probably would have been just uh, last year maybe Uh, I'd never been to Miami before and you know we wanted to surprise my dad for his 70th birthday so we decided to go to Miami and my sister lives in the US and she decided to fly down from uh, New Jersey when she lived. So it would have been uh, obviously not 2020, so 2019. And uh, so she flew down with her daughter and we flew across from here to Miami. And my parents flew in, but they didn't know any of us were flying in. Um, so we flew in, we surprised my mom, but we actually just had a great time on the beach in Miami. And um, you know, obviously we saw a little bit of Miami. Uh, but then the hurricanes came in and uh, I was going to miss, my, it was a whole thing. I was going to miss my flight home, which normally would be fine, except it was booked to be on the late nature of all things. And I didn't want to cancel that. So it was all this. So we drove from Miami uh, all the way to Florida to, uh, to my uncle's house, changed the flights. We were flying out of there then instead of Miami. But ultimately then the kids got to see uh, Disneyland and all that kind oh. of stuff. So it all worked out really well in the end. So when I look back on that, as a, just as a holiday in general, yeah. it was an amazing experience. With the surprise, my mom, the warm waters. I, like, I couldn't believe how warm the water is off off the coast of Miami. Um, and, and then to, to obviously bring them to, to Disneyland and stuff like that. So that was an amazing experience. Um, and then also, uh, I do look back. At, I was working uh, this weekend, but I do look back very fondly on Dubrovnik. Um, you know, I, I was... I was working at a, I was hired for a 70 uh, birthday party on a yacht and uh, and I went over, but I was just fascinated. I knew nothing about Dubrovnik, but I was fascinated by just like the walls and again, the amazing beach clubs. I mean, it reminded me a little bit of a cheaper version of kind of like Mar- Marbella, you know, where all the beach clubs are mm-hmm. in Marbella, but actually nicer, much more chilled back. And um, so Dubrovnik would sit out, not particularly as a holiday, but a place that I want to go Back to for a holiday, you know.
0: Sure, and there's a great kind of um, story behind the Game of Thrones that was filmed there as well, mm-hmm. kind up in the hills yeah. behind it. it. It's quite a spectacular old town, hasn't it? Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. yeah you know, I'm whole-
1: kind of amazed by it. It's very uh, it feels like a very romantic place, even though I was there on my own for this gig. Uh, so yeah. that's why I want to go back there uh, with maraid or or with maraid and the kids, because I saw there, there seems to be quite a fam- family vibe there as well. Like I saw a lot of kids going out and like canoes and snorkeling and stuff like that the waters are crystal clear there um, and as I said, I kind of knew nothing about it before I went, and the little bit of, that I learned there was it's a place that kind of is attracting me back, you know.
0: Yeah, now Croatia is gorgeous. I remember several years ago I went uh, w- when it was Yugoslavia. I tells you how long ago it was, and yeah, yeah, uh, well, we we took off in a plane that kind of took off backwards. You know, where you're sitting backwards, you're taking off with your bum going yeah, up yeah, in the yeah, air, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and we landed there, and you didn't know what what type of grade uh, hotel you got until you got to the airport and the <laughs> rep met you, so you. Be kind of one star or four star, and the four star was like one star you know, in the rest of Europe. So it was a real adventure. But yeah, um, I've been to Croatia since. A four and one. I was. Re- I got the four, but when we got into it, it, was like, oh my god, like the taps were hanging off, and the other the the, the windows were oh, kind of cracked. What <laughs> so, what I wonder what it would be like? But I always remember the, the wine tour when they bring it to sample the Croatian wines. Like it, it has a lovely heritage. It's like um, it is a Balkan uh, country, but it's kind of like Italy with a twist, isn't it? You know.
1: Yeah, I, yeah absolutely. Yeah, that's the, a perfect way to describe it.
0: Since the lockdown, none of us have been traveling, but if you could travel anywhere in the world right now, you've just said, you know, Dubrovnik is a place you'd like to to be. Where Mm. else is on your bucket list? Like where would be kind of at the top of it that you haven't been to, that you haven't explored, that you'd love
1: to go to? Well, there's two that jump into my head straight away. I don't don't know a whole lot about either, uh, but they just are kind of attracting me, if you like. So one is Japan. I'd love to go to Japan. You know, uh, I'm crazy about sushi. So where better to sample sushi than Japan itself? Uh, but besides that, I just think culturally, it seems like a place that I'd like to study, you know what I mean, I like to study the people because look, I'm a, I'm an observer of people. I'm a, you know, that's what I do, you know, I'm a, a human behavior analyst, if that's what you want to call me. So I read people's body language, pretty much for a living. So for me to be able to be, go out there and just study the culture and just you know the way they are as a, a as a people as a culture i think would be really fascinating i also know, know that they love magic i've had some interactions with japanese people over the years just with magic and they absolutely love magic so i just think it would be a really nice place for me to go see and there, there is a culture of magic there as well A uh, real kind of tradition of, of um, uh, you, know, you know, not the more modern magic that we're used to now, traditional magic, uh, with beautiful costumes and things like that, which is still ongoing there. So, so that's why I'd like to go there. And then the other place that jumps into my head, literally just from seeing other people going there and from photographs, it's as basic as that is Santorini in Greece. I just think the place looks amazing. Um, and other than that, I don't know a whole lot more about it, except I know that the sea is there. And as I said to you before, look, I'm crazy about fishing. Um, if we were in lockdown, I would be swimming all year round. It's a thing that I already do before anybody else thinks that I'm one of these people who are going down just as the fad that's going on right now, because it's, it's funny to me, you know, the sea swimmers that are there all year round are moaning about the new sea swimmers, but like there should be no moaning involved. It's great for everybody. The sea is gigantic. Get over yourselves. The sea is there for everybody. So, um, but I would swim all year round if we weren't in, in lockdown. So for me, I, I always, when I go abroad, besides somewhere like Japan, If I'm going abroad on a holiday, number one on my list, I have to be near the sea. Um, So that's why I picked Santorini.
0: Well, there's good news then because there are direct flights coming up this year for Santorini. And Greece, it looks like Greece is possibly going going to be one of the countries that will be most popular to travel to and will be the most accessible, you know. So I think it'll be very popular with the Irish. And it was, yeah, and I've been to Santorini. It is quite built up now, quite touristy. There are other islands that aren't quite as busy. But it is beautifully set in a lovely kind of a horseshoe rim. So. Yeah, I think I think I love all the Cyclades, love all the islands um, uh, in Greece, I have to say. Uh, so I asked you actually, Keith, do you have a memento or a souvenir or something from a holiday that you treasure or you keep or something that you kind of look at? Is there anything I see a lovely uh, kind of ball there behind you, kind of like a crystal ball behind you? Is, is yeah. there anything that you've gathered from your travels that you kind of uh, keep a special and that you have a story behind?
1: Well, I, I just remember years and years and years ago i started traveling to dingle and when i say years ago i'm talking about like oh i started traveling to dingle when i was 16. and uh you know i originally way back then you could actually snorkel with fungi so um i've been going to dingle every single year since i'm 16. um and again dingles kind of become popularized a little bit i feel in the last couple of years it's been in the news a lot uh, a lot of people seem to go there, uh, certainly after the first lockdown last year, but I've been going there since I'm 16. But shortly after I was uh, going there, I probably I was probably 24 maybe, uh, so maybe eight years into going to Dingle, I wanted to do a shop down there. And in that shop, they had leather-bound notepads. I'm looking at them from here, actually. And ultimately, uh, I started buying these leather-bound notepads. Now, they're very expensive. They're about 30 or 40 euros per notepad. Um, here, I'll show you one considering this is the souvenir that you're asking about um so these are the most i'll wait till i get back to, close to the audio for you uh, these are the most important souvenirs that i get so you can see them there leather bound notepads really amazing paper on the inside uh, but these are my lifeline to everything that i do all my goals my dreams my aspirations everything gets put in here um i've got them all color color coded up here so for example Uh, this one is about my corporate shows. You can see there, it just says Dubai show. And that would have been the last time I was in Dubai. That would have been the show that I did in Dubai. Uh, but also any ideas that I have get placed in these books. So these are the greatest souvenirs that I ever found because I still buy them now. So every time I'm down in Dingle, I buy two or three of these shop is still there. Um, and it's amazing. So those leather bound kind of Celtic notepads would be my favorite souvenir of all time by a long shot
0: lovely and 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 what are your thoughts on on poor fungi
1: Your well look he just his time is up you know fungi has been a lot of people a lot of people have this preconceived notion that you know fungi has died a couple of times and they've replaced him. fungi was a wild dolphin who chose to come in and live in dingle bay and he had scars all over his body from all kinds of different things that he uh you know obviously been in Fights and slapped by boats and all the rest of it. But look, his i have talked to the locals down there, by the way, about uh, you know about him just passing, and they just said he just got tired. Like, funky was out from eight a.m. in the morning until ten p.m. at night with the boats. Um, you know that's uh, that was his regular day, and he would do it willingly. But he just got tired, and that was it. And he just uh, his time was up. I mean, I, I can't remember. I looked into what age he was. Uh, I think he was in his forties um you know it have been there for over 30 years or whatever it is now so ultimately yeah the time is just up unfortunately you know
0: yeah I think he will be greatly missed um but also in Dingle now they have a new gin distillery actually called 618 which is called after the steps that lead up to Skellig Michael so yeah. that's that's worth checking out next time you're down there
1: <laughs> I haven't heard <laughs> of that yeah. now. I, I, yeah. I but I, I'm kind of a like that uh I'm kind of a man of patterns. So when I go down to Dingle, I do all the same things all the time. So I should probably break out of that. All oh, the last time we did break out of that, the best thing that we did, like even my son, who's nine, he's well-traveled, uh, and they've had some great holidays already. But actually his favorite holiday of all time, our favorite part of his holiday of all time, was last year. Uh, We went down and for the first time we went boogie boarding in Inch Beach. So we just hired the boogie boards, went down there and uh, and we spent like four hours or something in the sea. And that was amazing. So the next time I go down, it'll be uh, the the gin distillery and then back to boogie boarding in Inch Beach. Yeah,
0: I mean travel with your kids, they really make you do things you wouldn't kind of think of doing. I mean, I just think they're a great addition to a holiday, kids, because they to be really fair, just... it's,
1: the opposite, it's the opposite way around, our house. <laughs> I get them to do everything because I'm I'm a mad man, so I'll just anything, I'm all in. If somebody suggests something, I'm in straight away. So, so yeah, I'm kind of coercing them all the time to do the crazy stuff, you know.
0: So, so speaking of that, who would your favorite um traveling companion be? I mean, obviously Marade and the kids. Mm. Are, if you could pick anyone, dead or alive, to go on holiday with, who would be? Who would you choose?
1: I think my dad, just because we're so similar. Um, you know, I, I, he's a very inspiring character. He set up a lot of businesses over the years, um, but also he's always in good form. So me and him get on great. Like we're even now, he's seventy two. We're like best buddies, um, and he's the man. That you have to like at 2 a.m in the morning it's like dad we need to go to bed we're getting on a boat first thing in the morning and he's like no jokadurish durish one more let's have a sing song so he's the party animal of the family you know uh but highly intelligent you know just super guy uh so yeah my dad i mean look uh you know we're in a world now when we don't know when we can travel next and stuff like that so if i was to pick somebody it'd certainly be him you know
0: well, and, and I can recommend it because I've brought my dad on three um, great road trips around America. We've done Oklahoma, really? Kansas and Oregon, staying in ranches and riding horses and visiting Indian reservations and things. It's been an amazing journey. So I can recommend that. Travel with your dad. If you still haven't, make time for him.
1: Uh, well, what he does know what, what he doesn't know is one of the things that I have in my book, at least in my head, <laughs> uh, and I haven't done the research on it, but I do want to, like, I have this mad thing in my head that I want to fly into remote Russia some time with them, uh, and stay in a cabin and go fly fishing for salmon. So that'd be like, a, just like literally go completely basic into a cabin, just a couple of bottles of vodka, fly rods, and a, a fly a salmon fishing instructor, and then just do that. So that'd be one thing I'd love to do with them.
0: I'll put that on your bucket list, Keith. That sounds like a good one. Now, now, where would you recommend as a good spot to take a selfie? Or do you take selfies or?
1: Yeah, I do. I do actually. I took one, uh, not so long ago. And actually, uh, that's the spot I would take a selfie. Uh, I'm going to take many more selfies, which is just Tremor down in Waterford. I'm originally from Waterford and I was down there uh, 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 a few weeks ago uh, when we could go down there. And ultimately, um, I took a selfie on the beach and it was the most stunning sunset I've ever seen. Even my daughter, when she saw it, she was like, "Okay, send me that. Uh, that's the most amazing sunset ever. So down there, uh, if people are into that kind of thing, um, I'm telling you now you do, you do far worse than trying to get a, a, a sunset photograph down in Tremor, because I got one, uh, as I said, just a couple of weeks back, and it was the most stunning sunset ever. So that'll be one that I, I might actually frame it even, uh, I'm trying to pull it up here just to show you, I know your listeners won't see it, but, uh, but ultimately, uh, again, as I mentioned, I'm mad at the fishing. So, uh, when I'm fishing, I do take the odd photograph and there is the photograph that I got. Uh, and there's a selfie of this. So there's my two rods and the sunset, the background. So oh, you know, it is it's,
0: lovely. Yeah, yeah. we've been having yeah. some great skies, haven't we? Or maybe, yeah, maybe, just, they, maybe they've been there all along. And we haven't noticed them because we haven't st- stood still or been out walking so much. Oh, that's yeah. a great picture. Yeah,
1: there's my selfie with me with <laughs> all the fishing gear on. Um, I think it's a great place just for a walk and a selfie, because look, I was down there and uh, it was quite busy. Actually, it was busier than normally would be, just because people need to get out for their walks and whatnot. Um, but you know, again, Tremor is so long and so expansive. Uh, there's room for everybody. But it was lovely to see again when you mentioned selfies. Like everybody was kind of taking selfies because the sky was so not- and nice and stuff like that. So yeah, I would say just uh, Tremor and Watford, amazing.
0: Any other strange foods you've had while you've been abroad while you've travelled?
1: Oh yeah, I'm very adventurous with foods. I mean, one of the best places I've had meat certainly was um, Johannesburg, South Africa. So that would have been by far the best meat I've ever had in the world. And I'm a, I'm a unrepentant carnivore, let's put it that way. So I uh, I barbecue probably five days a week, even through the winter. So even now I'm barbecuing every single day. We've uh, smoked chicken yesterday, the day before roast lamb, all off the barbecue. Um, so, so Johannesburg for the meat, I remember down in, uh, okay, one, one of the ones I'm not proud of, uh, but I did it, I did it like 20 years ago. I had a Cheval burger in Paris. So I had a horse burger in Paris. So uh, I, remember, I remember, now it was 20 years ago, so don't judge me. But but I mean, I'm I'm adventurous and it was on the menu. So I went for the, the horse burger, um, but I didn't particularly like it. So uh, so I didn't ever have that again. And obviously for moral reasons, I never had it again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I do remember the craziest thing I've ever had uh, was down in Hong Kong. So I was down in Hong Kong, and I sa- I remember specifically they were giving me the full five star treatment. Okay, so I was flown down for a gig for Toomey, the luggage company, and um, they were being amazing to me. And they kept bringing me all these, uh, bringing me to all these really posh restaurants. And I just eventually said to them, I said, listen. Can I see real Hong Kong? Can you bring me to the real, where the Hong Kong, you know, the people who live here, where they go? And I don't want to see any more of this five star stuff. Can you bring? Me, and they literally did. They did exactly what I asked. And, and I have photographs of it. They brought me to literally a warehouse, like something out of a Jackie Chan movie. OK, so they brought me to this warehouse where it was all just um, Chinese people there. There was no uh, there was no uh, white people. There was no uh, Europeans. There was no Americans. It was literally just all Chinese people and me and my my host, and we were down there, uh, and and they were all. I remember they all had these pots. They just had these big big pots, and there was literally now just like chicken legs sticking out of the pots and all this kind of weird looking stuff. So I thought, okay, and I was delighted. I was like, yes, I'm here. I found it. So. So they said, well, what do you want? And I said, look, whatever you think. So we had a starter and I said, okay, what's this? And they said, chicken soup. So I thought, oh, okay. So I had some chicken soup. And then they said, you should order something yourself. And I didn't really like the chicken soup by the way, which I thought was unusual. And then after the chicken soup, they said, what do you want next? And I saw there's there chicken's feet on the menu. So I thought, okay, I'll, ha- I'll try the chicken feet. So, so I got the chicken feet, but there's no meat on them. It's just like a bit of grizzle basically on a bone. So I was like, okay, whatever. And, uh, and then I had eel as well, I remember, but then I said, that that chicken soup, I said, it really didn't taste that much like chicken. And they were like, oh, no, 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 that wasn't chicken soup. We just wanted you to eat it. We just wanted you to taste oh, it. And it's all don't like, tell what, me. What, what was it? And they said pigeon spit soup. So, you know, yeah, pigeon spit soup. So basically they take the bird's nest soup. So they take the, the bird's nests, which have a lot of pigeon spit in them to make them and they soak them and they extract the spit of the pigeon. And then they use that as the stock, and they make uh, a soup out of it. So, so yeah, pigeon spit soup, eel, and and uh, and chicken feet uh, were kind of uh, interesting down in Hong Kong. You know,
0: yeah, but you wouldn't be going back for seconds then, by the sounds of it.
1: But weirdly enough, I'd like. To- I love trying all the odd stuff. You know, I'm very yeah. happy to try it. I think, things. yeah,
0: absolutely. The experience is amazing. And I mean, yeah. the, you know, the Asians are incredible what they do eat and, and the way they cook them, you know, so it, 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 it's, it's it's just all experience, isn't it? It's lovely to taste yeah, and try really. different things. Yeah. And and what about um hotel, hotels? Now, would you like rather stay in a hotel or a caravan or do you like do you like camping or what would be a really good preference for you?
1: Yeah, like again, I, I I'm curious, I'm a curious person about the world. I tell people to be infinitely curious. So I, I love a five star hotel, but I love camping. So I'm all the way up and all the way down. I'm Mr. Basic and then Mr. Sophisticated when I want to be. So for the only regret of, uh, for me of 2020 was that we had camping booked in and we didn't get to go camping because we got put into the lockdown and we couldn't move. So, uh, we were, I've only brought the kids camping, uh, once uh so last year we were actually fully booked in to go camping and we had to cancel it so i weirdly enough that you mentioned this uh i wasn't even thinking of of talking to you today i said to my wife uh, Maraid, the other day i just said um i said the number one thing we need to look into this year is when we can and when it's all open up uh we got to go camping again because again i love my kids to have the full broad spectrum of camping basic uh but but you know for example uh, for me a lot of it's better location so uh, you know for me the two best hotels in Ireland for families I'm going to plug them right now because okay. they deserve to be plugged uh, and again I've no affiliation with these people except I go there all the time um, one is uh, Skellig and Dingle so Skellig Hotel amazing uh, best family club for the kids uh, best breakfast in Ireland for my money's worth is in the Skellig uh, and then uh for just location and view and scenery and food again, it'd be the, uh, oh, geez, I've completely gone blank now, of course. <laughs> uh, Derry Nan, the Derry Nan Hotel. So Derry Nan, I'd never actually been on the beaches in Derry Nan until last year. And oh my God, stunning, stunning, stunning. So the Derry Nan Hotel, they're the two spots that uh, for me are amazing. And again, you know, neither of them, are. they're not five-star hotels. They're just good, solid family hotels. But if you want amazing experience with fantastic staff, a lovely location, they're the two for me, you know.
0: And where would you, if it's just you and Marade going now and, and, and you know, the kids are staying with um, family or friends, where yeah. would you go for a nice romantic break? Where would be your ideal? Well, look, if it's
1: in Ireland, straight away, I just go Monart, Monart Spa, um, you know, because there's no kids. For starters, if you want to get away from the kids, there's no kids allowed down in Monart, and you know the food is spectacular, the spas spectacular, uh, the rooms are lovely as well. So, like even now we talk about, I wonder when we can get back to Monart. <laughs> more, uh, like we're not we're not greedy; we don't need loads of nights. Just like one night uh, away on our own. So when the,
0: when the kids were small, I used to say two nights in Monart is a week resting anywhere else because you <laughs> exactly. just.
1: Yeah. And, and the mad thing is, like, I spoke with a friend of mine yesterday and, you know, he said he knows somebody who went skiing last week. I was like, sorry, went skiing last week. Aren't we in lockdown? And he's like, oh, no, no. He said, apparently, Dublin Airport was crammed. It was full of people going on holidays and all the rest. And this is just last week. So apparently people are, are doing those things. So in my head, I'm like, OK, the second uh, Monarch is open back up for business. <laughs> That's where you'll find us, you know.
0: And and I do think we really need to support Irish hotels because they've had a terrible time. Well, all hotels, the whole hospitality industry has had a terrible Mm. time. So I think it's really important as well to support, you know, at home.
1: I mean, for us, that's the only thing that we, the only rule, it's not a rule, but the only thing, you know, everybody likes what they like. For us, when we go on holidays, I personally don't want Maraid working at all insofar as just... I don't want her, you know, having to do beds or anything like that. Not that she has to do them. I would do them as well. <laughs> generally speaking, I'm stuck out here in a cabin working. So that's just the way our marriage works. But ultimately, uh, that's why we don't do Airbnb is my point. So we would go to a hotel over Airbnb. Um, uh, so, so for us, yeah, look, we always holiday in Ireland every year. So uh, we always do 10 days in Ireland. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Absolutely support uh, Irish yeah. Airbnb and hotels and the whole industry, you know.
0: Yeah. And do you think there'll be kind of a renaissance for travel agents too for people traveling? Would you be kind of more keen to go to travel agents or are you quite happy to book yourself?
1: It depends where I'm going, you know. When, yeah. when it's in Ireland, we always book ourselves, uh, but when it's abroad, very often I'll go through travel agents. So we used to go to uh, Prince of the IA's in Lanzarote a lot. So when we go there, we would always always go through uh, click and go, always found them very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would just ring them up and go, listen, we want to go to, back to. Prince of Iza again, can you book us in? And it was just, I just found it easier to go through them with the flights and, you know, the transfers and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it was, um, it was literally, it does what it says on the tin. You click yeah, and you go. Absolutely. Tin,
0: right. And I do think Lanzarote is a terrific island. When my kids were small, we definitely always went there kind of in the autumn time. Lanzarote is a great island to get a bit of winter sun, isn't it? Yeah, you know, absolutely.
1: Prince of Yeza is one of the more expensive hotels down there. Um, we went there simply because it had everything that we wanted. So they had... I think it's five restaurants on site, it's on the beach, the kids club, the kids entertained at nighttime. So it kind of has everything in there, but there are cheaper hotels down there as well. I I I, I love Playa Blanca um, as a place. That's, so that's the part of Lanzarote that uh, Prince is in, but Playa Blanca itself, it's just very quiet, uh, but with lots of restaurants, lots of little beaches hidden all around the place. Um, and I just found that they're really suited us. So we went there again every year for about 10 years um, until the kids eventually kind of grew out of the kids club and stuff like that. You know,
0: sure. Did, did you ever get pulled up to do some magic uh, or to do some hypnotism in any of the places?
1: Or how, how do you way, feel? That's why, <laughs> that's why to go to Prince of the because okay. down there, people would just... Gonna say hello, but other than that, no, I never got pulled up to do any. Uh, <laughs> that anyway.
0: That's a good one. And and have you travelled anywhere where you've seen um, magicians or well, I don't know if you like to use that word, but you know illusionists or hypnotists? And and you've kind of said, oh wow, this is a good spot to go, you know, to to see it really well, to see the craft really well enacted. I think
1: it's really only Vegas where there's a where there's a lot of magicians. I mean, again, down in Prince George, I remember. Weirdly enough, I met a just bumped into a magician that I knew down there, uh, Nicholas Einhorn. So he's a London-based magician. Um, and we got the families together one night for a couple of drinks because we saw that there was a magician coming up on the bill uh in Yaza, and he was called Lone Wolf. I'll never forget him. The Lone Wolf. And he was kind of the strangest, most bizarre magician we'd ever seen. But it was a lot of fun just to watch him. Um, but I think just from a perspective of a hotspot of magicians it really is only Vegas Vegas is the mecca of magic you know uh, and there's always like 10 shows just on the strip alone and then you've got lots of shows off strip as well with magicians in them uh so for that for that very reason look I haven't been to Vegas in about three years now um so it's kind of time for me to go back there like I do itch to go back to Vegas just for a three or a five day blowout you know
0: so what have you been doing? I mean, you know, all our working worlds have changed. And how have you kind of adjusted your working world um, since the since we've been locked down?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I suppose a lot of people don't realize that besides being an entertainer, so being on stage and being on TV, uh, you know, using magic and mentalism and hypnotism and all the rest of it, for years, 20 years there, give or take, certainly 18 years, I've also been a performance coach and a, and a mind coach using the hypnosis aspect of what I do. So way back when in April last year, I pivoted online. So I decided to make the conscious decision to put everything online, um, which took a couple of months uh, to spec everything up and then also get word out there and also develop material that will work online, both from a uh, you know a, a peak performance perspective and from an entertainment perspective. And then towards the end of the summer, so I always talk about massive action, okay? So even the people listening to this, This is what I talk about. So when everybody else was out cutting the grass and painting their fences during the summer last year, I was working 18 hours a day. I made that conscious decision to work 18 hours a day. And I mean 18 hours. I just slept six hours and I worked 18 hours. Now, of course, I made time for my kids and exercise. But other than that, it was in or about 18 hours a day. And then I would make time for them really on the weekends. So ultimately, uh, from that massive action I ended up on the Ellen DeGeneres show from my virtual cabin here in the back garden so uh, I don't know if that's aired here yet it's, it's aired over in the US um, so that gave me some opportunities for performance over there uh, again virtually and um, so really where I got to towards the end of last year kind of the last two months of last year was uh, I was performing out of my virtual space if that's what you want to call it um kind of five gigs a day every day for two months. So that was for our corporates like Google, Comcast, Dell, Microsoft, Merck, um, Amazon. So like all of the, the different corporates that are out there that needed entertainment for Christmas parties and then also uh, performance coaching and mind coaching for both their employees and then one-to-one coaching as well. So I just pivoted online, put everything online, and then look very grateful to be very busy right now. You know, in the next couple of months, I've, I've already got a couple of dozen uh, virtual gigs book, booked in, and that's a, a mixture of just pure entertainment all the way through to, as I said, one-to-one performance coaching. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, I'm going. You, you've
0: got a book as well, don't you? You've got an ebook uh, out as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so so I wrote an ebook way back when, uh, kind of back in March again last year, just to keep myself busy. And I was going to sell the ebook, being honest with you. Um, But then I decided, given the times that were in, that I would just give the ebook away. So it's a free ebook. It's called Mind Magic. And it's really how to program your subconscious mind to optimize it for peak performance. So if people want to pick up the ebook, it's very simple. Just go on to www.keithbarry.com forward slash ebook and it's there for free so they just need to uh, stick in their email address and they get the ebook automatically sent out to them it's about 30 pages long i think um but i go down uh, mind magic is an acronym uh, i won't go through it now but it's an acronym of you know mental programming intentions neuroplasticity dedication mind reading uh, imagination authenticity goal setting and um also collaboration and clarity of, of vision so it was an ebook that i wrote and yeah I'm very happy to say that you yes, know i've got funny. a lot of great feedback from the ebook, you know
0: yeah and, and if anybody wanted to contact you you know to to do a gig or to or to work mm. to work with them how, how will they get you
1: but well, the two best places, really. I mean, look, there's obviously my w- website, which is KeithBarry.com, but if they want to get a hold of me directly, people don't understand, I suppose, sometimes that people in my position, I actually look after all my platforms, I don't hire anybody, I don't outsource it. So if you want to talk to me direct, um, the best place for business is LinkedIn. So just find me on LinkedIn, hit me up there. Uh, All the direct messages that I get there, I read myself and I respond to myself. And then aside from LinkedIn, uh, for people who just want to follow my socials and what I'm doing and stuff like that, Instagram is the best one really. Um, So just find me there, Keith Barry uh, on Instagram and yeah, I'm putting up content every day. And again, you can direct message me there and you can be sure that, that you're getting a response back from me myself, you know?
0: Super, Keith. Well, listen, thank you so much for spending this time today. Um, it's been great to hear your stories. I never knew you were fisherman. and um, never knew you scuba dived. All these these great little gems of wisdom. You've been really inspiring. And um, and as I said, I'm going to be good straight now. I'm going to look up your website and, and get that ebook and download that.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me. And uh, I'll, I'll have to look for some tips from you for my salmon fishing trip. And <laughs> yes, do the research on that for me.
0: Absolutely, I'll, I'll, I'm going straight to that out now for you, Keith. <laughs> okay, uh, this is, okay, thanks a million. You're really good. Uh, Bye. Well, who knew Keith was such an avid fisherman? What a great guy. And do download his wonderful ebook. I got my copy and it's truly inspiring. Speaking of books, my new novel, Journey to the Heartland, is available for download on Amazon. And you can buy it from kennys.ie online in Galway. They will send it to you anywhere in the country with free postage. And if you're in a book club do get in touch as I will be organising author events over the coming months. You can reach out to me via my websites thenoveltraveler.com or on thenovelpress.com. So the news of the continued restrictions for those of us in Ireland was tough to hear this week but it gives us good time to plan for a staycation. I caught up with Elena Fitzgerald, the president of the Irish Hotel Federation and director of Fitzgerald Woodlands House Hotel and Spa, to hear what advice she has for those of us who hope to book a holiday in Ireland this summer. Well, hi, Elena. It's great to see you today. Thanks so much for joining me to talk to the listeners about um, the Irish travel industry at home. I'm going to ask what advice you have for people who want to book an Irish holiday this summer?
2: Well, there's much to look forward to, I suppose. Look, we're now in very much a lockdown zone. Um, and that sense of we have to have something to look forward to. And I always think of myself, you know, I always had a holiday or a break in the radar because I just felt that that sense of going somewhere, new experiences, a bit of excitement. And, you know, for some people, it's fashion. Uh, For me, it's travel, it's food, it's soaking up all those experiences, whether they're at home or when they've been overseas. But there is much to look forward to. And yes, I suppose the narrative is changing a little bit and there's a sense of maybe it'll be a while before we'll be able to go overseas. But when we reflect on last summer, um, you know, I suppose the wonderful sunshine we had in parts and it gave us a great opportunity to reconnect with Ireland. There were some amazing experiences, uh, you know, discovering new areas. Um, it was a sense of returning to places of nostalgia. And I do think we should really get ourselves into the mindset of looking forward, thinking about those places we want to rediscover or explore for the very first time. It's almost like the mindset of a child to a degree. Um, And I find that's what keeps me going and that's what I'm looking forward to. And I suppose when you think about it, Michelle, I mean, we had the benefit of last summer, great experiences, but we know how safe we can be and how everybody stood stood up to the challenge. And, you know, potentially nearly a year later. Kind of in the mindset of okay, we know this a little bit better, and yes, there are enhanced levels of restrictions, and you know, we all know that we have a role to play in it. So, I think there's much to look forward to. And to be honest, I suppose what I found last year is as I tried to head to the coast because I just love the sea and the sense of freedom of it, I found it quite difficult, you know, to actually get places to stay. And even ourselves, we were having a conversation over the weekend and saying. Well, you know what, this is something we need to plan for, because if we do want to be able to go to the spots that we want to go to, um, that's something that, that we need to get ready for. Interestingly, my brother David gave me the gift of glamping. I've never been glamping, so glamping on the Aran Islands, and I'm so excited about that. But I'm equally excited about, you know, going visiting hotels and guest house around the country and, you know, just getting out to explore. And with all that pent up energy, I just can't wait. It can't come quick enough, but obviously it has to be a time when it's safe. Absolutely. And
0: isn't that lovely that you got a gift to go glamping? Isn't that just wonderful? (laughs) That was very thoughtful. (laughs) Um, and also lots of people will have been given gifts over Christmas for vouchers to various hotels. And would you recommend that these people kind of book sooner than later?
2: Absolutely. And, you know, as an Irish Hotels Federation, we launched or Go, Any- Go Anywhere gift card last year in the middle of a pandemic, when you think about it. But we just have been so energised But how successful it has been. And really, I suppose, a lot of people thinking, okay, this is a huge value, that sense of opportunity to go out and explore and have that well-deserved staycation. And don't we deserve it so much? And equally, that sense of it was supporting, you know, Irish hotels. Hospitality has been, you know, fairly, I suppose, hit really as as a sector um, and that. So we saw unbelievable, you know, levels of interest and purchases in our vouchers. So people were gifting experiences. And and so whilst you can't take them now, there will come a time when you can take them. And that would have been mirrored in our own hotel in Adair Fitzgerald Woodlands House Hotel and Spa. I mean, without being overwhelmed, but it was borderline being overwhelmed by just how much faith people put in us and how they felt that we were of value and they thought enough of us to gift it on. So there are, you know, millions in vouchers sitting in people's <laughs> homes, pockets, handbags, presses. Um, and now's the time to say, OK, God, I have that, you know, let's plan it. Let's book for it. But again, if if you plan, like I suppose the beauty of the go anywhere gift cards is they can be used in all participating hotels throughout Ireland. But, you know, if you do have it, you do need to plan for it, because we saw last year just how great Irish people were to don the green jersey. And, and as I said, I struggled myself, you know, um, to get some coastal, you know, stays and kind of waiting and then kind of getting one night, you know, which was great to get it. And it came at the end of the summer. But it's one of those things. If you do plan, if you really want to stay somewhere, you know, irrespective of where it is. And I think there's going to be a lot of energy around Dublin and other urban areas and that as well, because they're the kind of places you haven't been for a while. And it was interesting, like when we reopened first, the one thing that struck me was I was kind of expecting a lot of families because it was, you know, July, what would have been considered kind of, I suppose, family holiday time. But it was incredible to see the amount of couples, people trying to reconnect outside of the pressures of the house. And I think, you know, urban escapes work very well, as do lots of other experiences throughout the country. And, you know, I I can't
0: wait to get down to your hotel, Elena, because I have been um, discussing it and I've seen some great videos of what you offer in the hotel. You have a little farm and, you know, it's great for families, isn't it?
2: We do. So like, I suppose, some people have fears of flying. Um, My fear is animals. Um, But we do have a beautiful pet farm. Thankfully, the other my other siblings are far braver than I am. And, you know. In everything, we came from a farming background. So don't even ask how I ended up being afraid of of everything. But we have a beautiful pet farm and it's visited by people locally. It's a huge, I suppose, attraction for people coming to visit the hotel. Um, Jim, who runs or looks after the animals, you know, is quite the personality in himself. We bring, you know, as part of our kids club activities, we bring kids out, you know, at feeding time. There is a big sign up. Watch out. They do feed on fingers. So we kind of took that a step further Then Michelle. We created a 1.2 kilometre walking trail and we kind of expanded our fairy trail as part of that Um, And I suppose we have, we're on 40 acres of our own organic grounds, so part of that experience now is the kids have an opportunity to visit the organic garden, kind of get a sense of the story, Um, and equally we put in our own apiary, so whilst it was funny, the bees arrived on World Bee Day last year, I can't even remember what day it was, it was quite significant, you know, they had to arrive at a certain time, apparently you can upset them very easily, um and then we we kind of joked amongst ourselves because there was no sign of honey for months as i said to mom i I think the bees are restricted too with COVID, you know but there came a time when the bees delivered and we're all enjoying the wonderful benefits of our own honey right now but you know for kids to be able to do bug hunts to kind of have that kind of outdoor experience and i suppose that's one of the good things about the pandemic there was a real shift and kind of embracing your own 2K, embracing your own 5K, you know, kind of changing, I suppose, our emphasis to outdoor as much as possible. But then we go back to the Dunbelievables and when they said, you know, it's a lovely little country phone, you, you could roof it. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll yeah, well, I, I think we've kind of got a little bit hard here, Elena, and we've we've bought the gear. You know, people are swimming, they're getting their dry robes on afterwards. People are getting hiking boots and, you know, warm, good jackets so that they can take those beautiful pathways and trails trails all around the country that have been underutilized or have been probably enjoyed more by our European um, neighbors who have come to visit here and ha- they have been enjoying this for years, you know?
2: You're, you're absolutely right. And I suppose we see, you know, the commitment from government around Greenways, for example. Um, so, even our own Great Southern Greenway is in the process of being, I suppose, done up. Unfortunately, because of our 5K limits right now, I haven't had an opportunity to explore it. It's probably about the 10K limit for me. So, hoping we'll we get another few kilometres if, if public health improves. Um, but you see that, I suppose, you see what's happened in Waterford. I mean, Mayo was the original success story. You know, there's talks in Wexford. And I think, you know, particularly cycling, certainly with. In my own household it it became you know our go-to thing something you'd really look forward to an afternoon cycling we do what we call the ring of a dare and um, we're not quite ready for the ring of Kerry um, but it's lovely and you know it really gives you an opportunity to take in what's around you and that's the one thing that I love about cycling and walking and um, when you see that infrastructure being developed you know It's something that's been done in Europe for years. It's something that's really catching momentum here. And I think with the pandemic, it gave us kind of, I suppose, a renewed way of looking at it. And I certainly have enjoyed that as part of my travels over the last while. Yeah.
0: And I thoroughly have enjoyed last year staying at home. I got to go cruising on the Shannon and I got to do a bit of glamping myself in the Blackwater eco pods. And, you know, but these are things that I would have found hard to fit into my schedule as a travel writer who travels abroad a lot. And I'm quite excited about, you know, places I'm going to get to explore this summer, you know, when we do open up. So, yeah, we have a lot to offer in this great little country.
2: <laughs> we do. And it was interesting, Michelle, we, we um, were on a, I suppose, a panel together as part of Munster Vales, And to actually listen and to see, you know, I was always aware of what was available in Haura in terms of, you know, hiking, trekking, you know, mountain biking. But to see the infrastructure that goes from there, you know, into Tipperary in particular, um, I was amazed. And I said to myself, you know, that's the next place that I'm going to be going to. So I do think we're really looking at things with a different lens. And isn't it great? It's the art of wondering itself. Isn't it? And on that
0: fabulous note, I'm going to end the interview. And thank you so much for t- taking the time out to chat with me today. It's been really inspiring. Thank you, Elena.
2: Thanks very much, Michelle. Stay safe. Wow, it's just
0: lovely to speak to such a positive woman who is dedicated to the hotel and hospitality industry. I think we have never felt it so important to support our hotels, our guest houses and our campsites around the country. And if we want these wonderful places to survive, we will need to support them once they open up again. So that's all for this week. If you'd like to keep up to date with my broadcasts, do tune in to Elaine on the Virgin Media Player. I'm on every second Tuesday, but you get to see the Travel Tuesday clip online. And this week, the competition prize is for five viewers to win copies of my new book, Journey to the Heartland. You can enter by liking and sharing on Elaine's Instagram page. So that's all for this week. Next week, my guest is going to be the lovely Linda Marr editor of U Magazine at the Irish Daily Mail and also contributor to The Elaine Show. So adios until next week and we'll play out with Pat Coltrick.